We started out this year by determining we, and I've never, I don't think, done this. That we were going to talk about our vision. We were going to talk about our mission. We were going to talk about the core values. And we've done that now for almost eight weeks. And even had an interruption. I don't even think it was an interruption. I think it was a God moment when Donald Sims came in. And if you'll remember his message, he talked about a place called there. When God spoke to Elijah, said, go to the brook Cherith. For there I commanded the raven to feed you. And then he told him to go to, to a place called Zarephath. For there I have commanded a, a widow to sustain you. But then out of whatever, Elijah finds himself in a cave. And then God asked him a question. What are you doing here? That's a far question from there. Because that's not where I told you to be. And so many times we're looking for something beyond where God is. And, and I think one of the things that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt within the core values of what we've been laying out in our first one is this. Jesus is the center. And I believe that's what God is doing everywhere. He is refocusing us to bring us back to that place where He really is about it all. Come on somebody. Hear what, hear, I, I believe I'm speaking by the Holy Ghost. Pastor, if I'm not you that are leaders in this house, then I'll go sit down. But I believe that the Lord is saying that I am making this all about me. That Jesus is the center of it all. As much as I believe that he's the healer, as much as I believe that he's the provider, as much as I believe he's the deliverer, I want to say something to you. More than you need your miracle, you need Jesus. More than you need your healing, you need Jesus. More than you need provision, you need Jesus to be the center of it all. Matter of fact, he said something like this. I'd rather you enter into heaven with one eye than having both eyes that are far from me. I would rather you go in crippled. I would rather you make it in crippled than make it in without me because you can't get in without him. I want you to know that he is refocusing his body. He's refocusing his church. He's re we are in a reset. He's bringing everything back to him. Our worship, everything comes back to him. Everything is about him look at your neighbor and say it's all about him it's all about him and i want to declare to you this morning that jesus isn't done with our nation he's not done with this planet we are a part of the greatest move of god that the earth has ever ever seen I've heard all the nonsense this week. If you guys will just get out of the way, quit talking about politics and all that, God will move. Don't listen to that stuff. Because what is this thing about? What is this thing about? What is he reviving us for? He's reviving us to rule. He's reviving us to take back the land. I like what one pastor said. 
You, you know about Asbury and what God's doing through that in that move. Right now, it's about those young people. And yet we got a lot of adults running there to get into where they have had to make adjustments because the young people can't get where God's moving because everybody else is flooding the room. What's it about? One pastor said it like this. I loved it. He said, it's not so much about what's happening right there, right now. But it's what's going to happen through that generation of young people when they come through this moment. Hello, somebody. Anything that God does is not about the moment. There's always something beyond. There's something bigger. There's something greater than where we are. And this morning, even with what we're doing, again... I don't know. I'm scared. Maybe I've squashed everything out, Pastor. I don't think I have. But I know God's here. And Wednesday night, He'll be the same here. And next Sunday morning, He's going to be the same here. No matter who's on this platform. No matter who's speaking behind this podium. No matter who's leading this service. He's in this room. And if you and I will make it about Him, we'll see more of the things that we desire to see. It'll be such an outflow of what Holy Ghost is doing. My intent today was, I told you it's my intent. I ought to know better than this. I, I was awake through the night quite a bit. Just thinking about the service. I didn't have any direct, I, I knew where I wanted to go. But I just said, God, whatever you want to do is what we want. My intent was, and it still is, is to wrap up in a sense this series that we've been doing. And here's, is our last purpose to go out of this place. It's to love people. It's to equip the believers. And it's to impact our world. I want to say that to you again. It's to love people. It's to equip believers. And it's to impact our world. I want to tell you, Jesus loves people. I believe if it's all about harvest, if this thing is the wrap up, the harvest, then you and I had better get a love for people. And you and I better adjust our hearts to people. What kind of people did Jesus love? He loved messed up people. He loved a woman at a well that had five husbands. You could say she was whatever. He might have, some of us would say she was an adulteress. She was whatever. I, got, I guarantee you, she was an emotional wreck. If she's gone through five husbands, whether they be by death or divorcement or however it was, she has been an emotional wreck. He loved a tax collector that everybody didn't, that nobody would put their confidence in and trust. 
He loved a thief upon the cross. Matter of fact, he loved both of them. Even though one of them cursed him and the other, the other one bowed his head in humility and said, I believe. And God, Jesus said today, you will be with me in paradise. He loved those that were vexed by demons. He loved those that were crippled, those that were broken, bruised, and shattered. There was nobody that Jesus didn't love. And Jesus came to demonstrate that love. What is that love? That love was to tell them, I have a life for you that's beyond your beyond your problem. It's beyond your issue. I've got a place in me that will bring peace and joy in abundance. I've got a place in me that will fulfill every need you have. That's what Jesus did for them. I asked you last week, what's the first verse? And it's proven the fact everywhere I go that I've asked that question in nursing homes and wherever. The number one verse that we remember as children is this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. To perish, one of the definitions means to be separated from. Another definition means, means something. I'm not going to go into my notes because I don't want to preach all that. But it simply means this. It means you're not in the place that I designed you to be. But God loved us so much that he said, I'll send a sacrifice. I'll pay the price. I'll make the atonement. To bring you back to be everything I called you to be. And the word everlasting means perpetual. I will give you a perpetual life of my goodness, grace, and mercy. And all that I have for you. So he said, for God so loved the world. He sent us to love people. How did he love them? I'm going to give you a couple things real quick. Just off the top of my head. First thing, Jesus came to them. You want to know how Jesus loved people? He came to them with what he had. The second thing that he did with them, he dined with them. We're good at eating together, but sometimes we're eating with the wrong people. He dined with them. Matter of fact, they called him a friend of sinners because he sat down with them. And that was really an accusation against him. Third thing that he did for them was he touched them. He touched them. He took the children. You have to understand that he, one place he told his disciples, Hey, allow those kids to come to me. Because according to the culture and the law, it's like the women and children could be, you know, sick at rate compared to the, to the man of the house. So Jesus stops and said, wait a minute. Let them come to me. And the Bible said he took them and put them up in his lap. Puts his arms around them. He touched them where they are. Statistically, scientifically, in every which way. There's nothing greater than we could give. Is that we put our hand on somebody. Or give them an embrace. And a hug and say, hey, I love you with the love of the Lord. I love you. I care about where you are. That's one of the greatest things we can do. If you're following along with with the uh, free chapel, Jimmy Evans is preaching today. 
And he's teaching you ought to go follow it. I was in on just a few moments of it. He's a great communicator of relationship. But he's talking about how important, how important our words, how important those things that we share with each other are. Here's the last thing that Jesus did. He taught them. He taught them. He just simply taught them. He sat down. He said, let me teach you what heaven has for you. So go back to that other slide. If you don't mind that. Yeah, there you are. Equipping believers. I got to land a jet with this. You know, I've read that a million times. I've preached that in so many different ways and I've heard everybody else and just something recently said, I've been looking at that just hasn't settled because here's the idea of what we've got this, this idea. I'm going to give you some spiritual gifts so that you can go and you can go do something for the Lord. Well, if I heard Donald Sims right the other day when, when he was here, it is your responsibility to seek your own heart and to seek God for the gift that he put in you. His ability that's in you to do the work that God has assigned you for. So when he said he gave the fivefold ministry, the apostle, the pastor, or the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, and teacher for the equipping of the saints. Let's keep it all in context real quick. Are you okay? I guess I did squash everything out. Sorry, God will deal with me later. He gave them why? You gotta think about something. We're thinking that's always about a mature group of people. He was dealing with the people that knew Jesus but was struggling. They're struggling with their faith. They're struggling with their identity. They're struggling with everything they have. Not only that, not only are there Jews, but Gentiles have come into this. And here's what we've done. We just think because they come in and get touched, everything is good for them. And that's not what he was doing. So when he was saying this, he was saying, I gave the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, and teacher for the equipping of the saints. And the word saints there just simply means the believers. I could look at my wife and say, she's a saint. I could look at some of the others and say, you're a saint because I think of how you live. But in that context, it's really, he's just saying to equip the believer. The word equip, if you go look at some of the original stuff, it means to perfect. It means to enlarge them. So what were they doing? What is the equipping we're supposed to be doing? Matter of fact, I don't have time to read the whole chapter. don't want to. But, but when, I, when I read through there, it kept talking to me about until we come to the unity of the faith, until the fullness of the body of Christ. Wait a minute, what's the unity? I will read this one statement because I think it's so cool. And this is what it means, the unity of the faith. Because the word unity is only used three times in the scripture. Do you realize that? One in Psalms 133, twice in Ephesians chapter 4. The unity of the spirit and the unity of faith. And they're not two different words. They're one and the same, used in the same context. And this is what he's talking about. To signify a cohesive assembly of Jesus followers 
whose behavior is founded on a set of beliefs that promote God holiness. A cohesiveness of Jesus followers whose behavior is set on a, a, a set of beliefs that promote holiness. So why did he give the fivefold ministry? Don't have time to teach all of it, but I'll give you this point. Every apostle knows that they're government guys. So everybody needs boundaries. We don't get saved to do whatever we want. Go read through the book. He set parameters for us to live in. So he gave a prophet. Why? Because that newfound family, that new individual needs godly direction. They need to know where they're going. The third thing he gave the evangelist, the evangelist gathers, but he's also an encourager that you need Jesus. So what does he do? He gives us an encourager. He gives us somebody that keeps drawing us to Jesus. We all need that. Here's the third thing. He gives us a pastor. What does a pastor do? A pastor protects, he shields, he nurtures. And every one of us need a pastor because if you're a new believer, you remember last week when we were, when we were, or, 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 or what we were dedicating Mia, Maya, Mia, whatever, Maya, Mia, whatever her name is. Sorry. You remember we layered two generations, grandparents, parents, and then her. And I made a comment that the only one that had the right to look back was the little one. Because she's got to look back to be nurtured. She's got to look back to be fed. She can't handle this on her own. So every new person needs somebody pastoring them. And the last thing was a teacher. Because we need to be taught the word of God. You say, pastor, pastor, that's y'all's job. No, it's our job. I went, I went fishing. Yesterday I had I was here praying yesterday with the team. I like to fish. And the other day I went out my backyard. Don't y'all wish you had a pond in your backyard? I went out in my backyard and within probably five to ten minutes, no exaggeration, I had two fish. I took pictures of them, sent them to Tom so he wouldn't know what a fish looks like. Sorry, Tom. Just kidding. A crappie was as big as my foot. I'm telling you, that's a pretty good foot. That's the only measuring stick I had. But I caught him and I caught a bass. And you know what I did with both of them? Threw them back. Because you better hear what I'm going to tell you. And I'm going to land this jet. Because we are more involved in the thrill of the catch. Then we are the fish of the catch. I love this moment. But are you really ready for if revival really ripped this place? Are you ready? See, y'all didn't think about what's going on in Asbury. That's a college. They're having classes. And what you didn't see is, you didn't see how many people were having to unstop toilets. And how many people were changing paper towel rolls and putting those things up and keeping the place presentable? Why everybody come to revival? But nobody was thinking about the work of the revival. 
Nobody was thinking about how we're going to handle the crowd. Where are we going to park everybody? What if this? What if that? Even the president of the place, I'd hate to be in their shoes, to be very honest. Because here's the thing. Those kids didn't come to school to have a worship service that went around the clock. Mom and dad paid the bill for those kids to come to school to get a godly education to go back and impact the world. And that doesn't change. So now decisions are made. And being made, how do we handle that? See, we don't think about that stuff because we love, we love, we love this moment. What if 15 people, 25 people, 30 people in this place got born again? Pastor, what we really need, we, what we really need is, uh, what, what is that word? We need a next steps program. Well, I believe we need a next step program. But if we don't have it in place, we can't wait for that. We've got to have you step up and be the next step. Hello? You've got to be the next step. We don't need some, You can teach them. You can show them. You can encourage them. So while I was in here praying, really felt like the Lord quickened something to me about fishing. I saw myself carrying a five-gallon bucket. And it reminded me of my dad years ago when he fished and he would fill a cooler full of fish up in a moment. And mom would go to the lake with us two little boys and we would take a cooler and take the one that was full and bring it back. It would be all iced down, but here was the problem. Why don't we do that? Why haven't I, why do I throw it all back? I'm really not doing the lake any good. When I go to Rogers and fish out there, Rogers say, you get a little and throw him out. Because it helps everything continue the cycle, the growth of everything. And I thought the only reason I don't keep them, I don't want to clean them. I don't. I'd rather go out to Sandy's and eat them. Or maybe get an invitation to your house and you cook them. And all I have to do is show up and eat them. Don't, come on. Because that's really where we the church are. We want to catch them. We want the thrill of the catch. But I really don't want to endeavor to clean. Because I remember those days when my dad, I was thinking about, okay, God, if I'm going to start catching these fish and I'm going to clean them, I'm just, this is me. I don't know if I'll keep them or not, but I'd like to keep them to eat them. But I thought, where am I going to clean them? I don't know if Diane will want me to clean them on my back porch. Because when I start <laughs> scales everywhere and blood everywhere, and summertime when that you no matter how much you think you washed it off it's still laying around and you know what's going to happen it's going to start smelling and then where am I going to put the guts and everything else I'm either going to have to bury them somewhere put them in a trash bag take them to the neighbor's can and put them in there <laughs> I'm making a very valid point we love the thrill of the catch, but we don't like the work of the ministry. And the work of the ministry is just simply us encouraging one another, teaching each other, exhorting one another how to live this holy life before the Lord. 
We have made it so difficult. 99% of everybody keeps saying something like this. I don't feel like I'm quipped. I don't feel like I'm capable. I don't feel like I've got it. And you've been in church your whole life. You just need to just sit down and just start loving people. And if you don't do anything but John 3, 16. And unfold what you do know. And help them in their walk. And help them in their growth. How do we impact our world? Just simply living this thing out. It is not hard. The word impact just simply means. Uh, come here Landon. Lay your guitar down. I do that with Denise. But it probably wouldn't be proper. Real quickly. Come here. Me and, me and Landon's going to have an impact. Yeah, he had one just recently in his car. He lost. <laughs> See, this is us. This is an impact. An intentional me going to bump into somebody. And that's all I need to do is make an impact. I need to touch them with what I have on the inside of me. We can impact our world. So stand with me, will you? God's been good this morning, but he was good yesterday and he was good Wednesday and he was good last week. Isn't, I love this stuff. This is my stuff here. I, I love, but it scares the life out of me because I don't want to get in his way. Father, I thank you that you are moving in Christ church. You've always been here and you're here today. And you're going to be here tomorrow. You've given us some instruction over the last weeks. That it's all about you. And even as it said this morning. It's us moving towards you. Not waiting upon a moment. But us coming to you. So Father we thank you. Father we bless everything that is going on in Asbury. And even all those that are going. I bless them. I pray for that leadership today. God, that they're going to have godly guidance and wisdom of knowing how to handle what you've entrusted that people with right now. And may that rest upon us and may it rest upon every church and every ministry across this land. I declare that right now in the name of Jesus. I bless you. Put your little paws up. I bless you to walk in the fullness of God. I bless you to walk in a continual perpetual place of his presence. And that his glory and his grace is constantly with you. And it doesn't lift off of you. May you stumble in. May you impact somebody in your world today. With the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus. And may their life be changed. By the power of the one that dwells on the inside of you, whose name is Jesus. I bless you to walk in it and live it out in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for being here.